This episode of Energy Sense is brought to you by IHS Markets Financial and Capital Markets Energy Advisory Group. Our team of experts provides the investment community with actionable insight and integrated thought leadership that identify the trends and trend makers of global energy markets. Solutions cover the full energy and natural resources sector, from traditional fossil fuels to emerging clean tech ideas and supply chains, and are available via recurring reports, webinars, robust data sets, and personal engagements with experts. All right. Welcome back to Energy Sense, an S&P global podcast covering all topics on the intersection of energy and finance. This is your host, Hill Vaden, and I am here today with Cormac Gilligan and Sichi Ha from Dublin or, or Ireland and uh, Shanghai, respectively. Is it Dublin, Cormac? Yeah, that's correct, Hill. Yeah. You've got a... Uh, a, a big participation in terms of geographies here, at least amongst the three of us. But before we dive into it, I will say that that our, I'll remind people that our email address is energysense at ihsmarket.com. If anybody has further ideas or feedback or just wants to join the discussion, and we will be placing in the liner notes of this uh, podcast information about our clean energy technology coverage uh, that, that Cormac and CG uh, represent. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, we can have a, a perhaps more meaningful discussion on solar and COVID restrictions and supply chain challenges, um, that there's a lot of news on this at all sorts of different angles. Uh, we, we've been talking here, Sichi, Cormac, and I, for about 15 minutes before we even hit record, just to help kind of frame where we are. And, and I'm really interested, Sichi, to hear from you about your experience sitting in Shanghai today. But before we get into that, Cormac, can you uh, maybe help frame kind of where we are in solar. And I think we were talking earlier about just the, the demand-led opportunity here for solar and clean tech as an industry. And then two, and quite specifically, the, the, the challenges that the supply chain is experiencing right now, but both specific to China and, and some of the COVID restrictions that are limiting output and more more broadly and just the, the overall kind of landscape. So, so, so a lot in here, Cormac, but, but maybe help mm-hmm. frame this to, to get us started. Yeah, uh, thanks, Hill. And yeah, it's uh, never a dull moment in solar, as we say. And, uh, you know, at the moment, there is quite a few different parameters and issues going on. Um, so, I mean, on the positive side, we had a very strong forecast for 2022 for our global solar outlook. So at the moment, we're forecasting around 230 gigawatt DC. Um, and this is a, a big increase over our outlook in 2021. And that emanated from even a few things such as there were maybe restrictions last year in many of the main markets, maybe like the United States, Europe, and in particular, some of the big large-scale projects, you know, those issues maybe with getting um, labor on site or getting deliveries on time. And so a lot of that was maybe pushed out uh, into 2022. On the positive side as well, we certainly see solar and photovoltaics in particular being one of the huge benefactors of post-COVID in terms of companies um, reprioritizing some of their strategies. Um, We see just the general amongst homeowners now, especially in the environment as we're Probably everyone around the world is aware of rising wholesale or retail electricity prices and gas prices and things such as that. And so it's it's an incredible time. I mean, some of the other issues that are going on, just to kind of frame not just what's going on in China at the moment, but we are seeing things like 
and these have been going going on throughout the last year, maybe two years, have been things. So, firstly, maritime getting mm-hmm. deliveries. If anyone's placing orders for electronics, even from China, they're they're maybe taking a bit longer than maybe they previously have expected. So the you know the just on time model has been maybe uh, rethought a little bit, and certain sectors have obviously been really had exceeding expectations of you know prior forecasts and demands so that's one thing so we've seen huge escalations in cost um for transportation of goods and this is definitely impacting the solar marketplace we've certainly seen um some factors especially on the raw materials so throughout the last few years and because demand has been so strong there have been some challenges in getting adequate supply of parts and materials such as polysilicon, so the key ingredient used in the solar modules. Also, wafer capacity, so the next step in production. We've seen huge announcements throughout 2021, and they're they're starting to come to fruition. So Sichi and I and the team are expecting that in the second half of this year, a lot of that extra production capacity is going to come on stream. But that that they typically a bit like a fab plant for you know an Intel or others you know it mm-hmm. takes a lot of time from when they're announced when the demand is exceedingly good to when they come to being built out. So you know that's typically taking eighteen to twenty four months and big investments like you know half a billion or even more at any one time big big investments. So that that's one part. And then also you know we've seen even throughout last year just some. You could call them really snags in the manufacturing. So some specialist things such as like solar glass, which most okay. people don't really know too much about, but it's this really high grade glass that's used in the module production. And even we've seen some technology shifts. So we've seen things like bifacial modules, which are modules that can produce energy not on the front side, but also on the underneath or the backside mm-hmm. of modules, increasing the output or the generation. So this is all good for solar and helping with the uh, LCOE or the levelized cost of electricity. Um, But the industry is just working through these as they kind of increase production. And then this brings us to kind of the moment in time that we're in over the last few weeks, shall we say. And uh, Sichi and I did an insight um, on our platform uh, a couple of weeks ago, whereby, you know, as as the rest of the world is kind of learning to live with COVID, we're seeing that China is placing a little bit, you know, it's basically continuing with it, with its mantra of just trying to contain it. And so from a manufacturing point of view, and particular to the clean tech industry, what that really is meaning is that we're seeing some restrictions going on, uh, which means that they may have situations where factories have to have closed loop systems. So where the employees have to uh, live and sleep and work on site in a closed loop fashion so they don't really exit the the perimeter or the the facility. We are seeing things, and, and we like to think of it as a multi-step process. So everything from transportation, so roads, there might be a lot more checks to do with drivers and certain industries have gotten some exemptions. And good, the good news is that solar so far is, is part of that group, which is to say that, but there might be some delays with getting deliveries on time as you normally might expect them. They're taking a little bit longer from, from trucks or, or other transportation modes uh, to the factories. Then when you get to the factory, there's obviously some restrictions in place. And then even when you have produced a good, you then have to send it to the ports and there can be restrictions getting to the sure. port and then from the port onwards. So this is just, uh, and then the last point would be that some of the materials, maybe the inventory levels, it depends company by company how they have adequate supply. So that's really where we're at at the moment. 
The good news, as you kind of mentioned, is that it's a situation where demand is expected to be so high that everyone is trying to catch up with this demand and fulfill this. And in normal times, without any of these kind of issues, they would be able to fulfill them. But this is causing disruption at the moment. And we're just monitoring to see the extent of how long these restrictions may last. So, Suchi, maybe um, you can help give us some local color because you're, I think, in Shanghai right now. Um, So so how... How would you describe? And we're on a, a Teams call right now, and so we don't, we can't exactly see, but background. But I'm assuming that you're not calling me from a solar factory. <laughs> but how would you describe kind of life in general? And I think Cormac used the word normal. How are things today relative to, to normal? And can we see are, are things as they were? Are things getting better? Are things continuing to slow? Is there a new normal? How would you describe things right now? Well, it actually has been two months since the start of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. that I have to from home. So I kind of accepted all this and get used to this life. So it's normal for me now. But I would say that it's still very hard to get things delivered and it's still very restricted to get out of the building or get out of the neighborhood that we are living in. This is not only for me, it's just for all of the workers. So mm-hmm. this is just what Comac mentioned the factories will not have enough laborers on site because all of the workers are just like me. We are trapped at home and cannot really go onto the workplace. And China is is a major contributor to the solar supply chain network today. Can, can you help to kind of d- describe that size relative um, yeah. to, to the market? Uh, yes. So in terms of the solar supply chain, well, we need to... Let's say it from four nodes, from polysilicon wafer cell to module. So for polysilicon, I will just quote the number that more than 80% of the global capacities are located in China. And for wafer, the, the number is even higher. The, okay. the number will be like more than 95%. So the cell and module, you may know that they are not uh, as concentrated uh, as polysilicon wafer. Um, because there are some capacities in Southeast Asia or in the United States, but still the the number, like the ratio of Chinese manufacturing capacities of module uh, is around 65%. So we can tell from all these numbers, none of them are below 65%. So that's China's really playing a dominant role here for the uh, solar supply chain. And is this 65% and growing imminently or are we seeing investment in manufacturing in other geographies um, in terms of, I mean, right now it's May 9th, 2022. Um, are we expecting to see a lot more manufacturing come online within the next few months in China or are we expecting to see more manufacturing come on in all, all sorts of different places that, that will help to um, either keep that 65% flat or perhaps shrink it? In terms of module capacities, uh, we are seeing some of the capacities capacities growing in India and also Southeast Asia, but still they're, they're really depend on the policy in the local markets. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I would add to that is it's, it's a really interesting time also in the sense of markets like Europe and the United States 
you know, there's issues going on at the moment in the United States to do with the circumvention order, where they basically want to, I think the direction of travel is that they want more made in America uh, mm-hmm. or more manufacturing for the clean tech supply chain, not just solar, but across other parts of the industry, both in batteries and 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 even in potentially the wind industry. So I definitely think there is things such as like polysilicon capacity, potentially in the United States. Um, there's potentially a little bit in Europe, but they, it's, I think the message we we tell customers is for some of these other early stage parts of the manufacturing process of modules, A, they require big sums of investment. B, the scale, you need a minimum scale typically to be able to compete against uh, centers of mass production. And, and the other part is for crystalline solar particularly is that there are big energy they've got big energy requirements in, in their manufacturing process for polysilicon, for example. So, you know, in North America, they may look at things like hydro to to be uh, an energy feedstock, whereas in Europe, they'd have to maybe make other considerations and there are other maybe challenges at the moment. So they're just parts that need to be considered. And as Sichi said, India is certainly a big one because A, the market is going to be a big long-term market for solar in, in itself. And it could also be uh, a potential source of modules outside of China that maybe are not, you know, there's other things going on, such as tariffs or restrictions coming from China because of other issues. Yeah. And and what is that in terms of, uh, I guess, timing and size in terms of percentage growth? That if today China is 65% of the market, are we at the beginning of investment cycles outside of China or, or are we at the tail end where, where things start to, or not necessarily the tail end, where, where things start to come online within a period of months rather than a period of years? Um, well, I, I'll start and CT you can add. Um, I, I think the generally the life cycle or the investment cycle is quite long. You know, we, we mentioned even, even within China where they are super efficient at uh, building a capacity. They, you know, typically it can be one or two years even for for some of these particular nodes to add capacity. The as we get to cell capacity, maybe module potentially it could be quicker. But if you're dealing with polysilicon or wafer, basically the early part or early production part, they they take a little bit longer. But I think it's definitely clear that there will be some other centers of production and similar to. Just the energy industry in its own self, we have seen the security of supply because of maybe challenges to do with restrictions to a COVID or to do with other geopolitical issues that the industry, the global solar industry, would like other centers. Mm-hmm. And I think they will be more than likely, though, in lower cost centers such as India or Southeast Asia. Sichi, I don't know if you have anything to add maybe on even Southeast Asia where we're seeing some production. Yes, but for polysilicon, I would say it's a bit hard. As you just mentioned, the capex is too high and it took too long to build up the factory. And also afterwards, when, when you have already have the factory built, you need to ramp up the production. It still take one year to get mm. the full production. So it's pretty hard to have the polysilicon. For module and cell, it's pretty easy. And India is because of uh, it has the tariff issue, and the modules and module and cells that are imported uh, will be uh, impose a tariff, which is quite high. So it's kind of uh, incentivized the local production. Okay, 
And how about j just within China? Um, yes. where, where are the where are the regions we should really be paying attention to in, in terms of the, those solar manufacturing hubs? This is really a key of this topic, like the considering of COVID outbreak, because uh, when we look at the four nodes of solar supply chain, we will say that polysilicon and wafer are not as impacted by the COVID restrictions as uh, the cell and module because polysilicon wafers are more located in the western provinces such as Xinjiang, Inner Mongolia and Yunnan province where there are a lot of hydro or low electricity price so that the polysilicon wafer can kind of leverage the low cost. However, there are a couple of cell and module suppliers surrounding the Yangtze River Delta so that they can be impacted by the Shanghai outbreak. So um, because of the um, road transportation are heavily restricted and they cannot get the raw material or the components received, they cannot receive that on site on time. So they can only run on their inventory. Also for the inverters, I need to talk about this because most of the inverter suppliers are located around Shanghai. So they okay. are also impacted. I would just um, say that the inverter is also part of the solar supply chain in this case. And in this case, we need to look at the supply chain at a provincial level and to break that down. Polysilicon wafer are less impacted and cell and module are much more impacted, but not to the extent as inverters. Okay, but but the, polysil the, the polysilicon and the wafer, what will not necessarily impacted at the, the plant level, you, you got to get the, the the roads, potential road closures are impacted, right? That you got to find yourself a port if you're in, you, you got to get to the port. Is that fair? I mean, it, it, the, the paper that you guys published, I think broke things down, road closures, labor constraints, and um, port constraints, I, I guess, what was the third yes. one? Yes. And so yeah. while the, the polysilicon wafer side, that the, the biggest exposure to a constraint there is going to be the road transportation, I assume? Yes, but not that much. I think okay. currently the impact is quite limited. The more problem is about the how to transport the module, the final products uh, mm -hmm. to the port or to the uh, customers. So one of the things that they were doing at the moment is maybe potentially not servicing the Shanghai port. So rerouting products to other ports yep. because they knew that there were seasonally high challenges in Shanghai, even if they're not, even if Shanghai port is not at its absolute peak that would normally be experienced in September or end of August. So that's what, what suppliers are doing as contingency planning or like alternative supply routes. But you are right, Hillen, saying that they're of course, will be some time delays in maybe getting transportation. But in our experience, like the data that we have is that module production or exports are 40% up year over year in Q1 alone. And which is basically saying that the modules are able to service all of this demand that we have been forecasting. The caveat, though, is that based on some of these challenges, based on some of these maybe raw material increases, you know, the costs have gone up. Um, right. So this is another factor. And, and, you know, you were mentioning a, an example earlier in the call or the pre-call, which is about, you know, even in the electric vehicle market or just generally, you know, some battery prices have gone up. And I think that's just where we're in a moment in time 
in the clean tech industry where the discontinuous price decline is certainly in a in a pause moment for most things when it okay. or most parts and and that's the bit that so far customers have been able to absorb it based on the higher electricity prices and what they've been doing at utility scale is having higher power purchase agreements the ability to absorb when you mentioned suppliers up some 40 percent is demand up 41% or more. I mean, I, I would think, especially with a lot of what we've seen in, in Europe, that there, there's a lot of, and, and there was an article in one of the newspapers this weekend about how U.S. power prices are getting ready to spike. And there are questions of, I'm sitting here in Houston, questions of reliability um, as we get into the summer uh, air conditioning demand. Um, is demand growing that much faster than supply as we head into uh, the, the second half of 2022? Well, that's the... It's, we say sometimes that a quarter in solar is a long time and, and it's a very interesting point. So next week, for example, we're going to one of the biggest European shows, or sorry, this week, uh, Intersolar Munich. And one of the things that has happened over the last, I guess, even since the Ukraine invasion is obviously in Europe itself that some of the targets for renewables have been increased. So Germany, for example, and others have rapidly increased their targets to 2030. So you could definitely say that even when we did our, so we did our last update um, at the end of March, I would safely say that Europe is going to be potentially even a, a higher demand location for solar over this year and su subsequent years. Other markets like the United States, for example, right now, it's 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 an interesting one because it it is a growing market in the in a sense of demand, but there are other challenges such as the ability to import modules okay. from certain areas so that's supply constrained but not actually demand and there's no problem with demand and then you've other areas like india and southeast asia that as well they are continuing to experience and even china itself not forgetting china set huge huge targets and we we did a pretty big revision so out of our target of 230 china is meant to be about 80 gigawatt of that this year so again okay. it's it's proving to be a huge um, pull on demand itself internally. And one thing we could note is that if certain markets, if demand does for any unforeseen circumstance, if it did dissipate or reduce, normally China itself acts as like a counterbalance throughout history of solar, where, you know, for example, maybe about 10 years ago, as feed-in tariffs were removed in Italy and Germany, you know, other markets appeared or China you know, gradually increase its own domestic demand or five-year plan to, to ensure the survival of the industry and help drive it forward. Sure. So, I mean, what are we seeing? The the, the example that, that Cormac just referenced in his comments there, I, I mentioned before we started recording that I have a friend who's waiting. He's got an order to put solar panels on his house. So this is a residential order. And I think he's been waiting on them since December. Um, so, so, so this is about a six-month delay from one of the larger suppliers, one of the more reliable suppliers, and, and that I assume is exacer—I assume is exacerbated by what's happening with lockdowns, but is not entirely to blame. There's more going on, right? So, so are we seeing um, while supply is up 40%, are we starting to see new constraints or new delays um, emerge, and, and are prices going up? to to compensate for that that um is that or is the price changing relative to our expectations as well 
price to the consumer. So in terms of pricing, right now we are we are seeing that the manufacturers are in certain areas having to absorb higher input costs. Um, it could be higher wafer prices. It could be, as we mentioned, higher transportation costs. It could be that delays just overall have changed what their pricing was as you know a few months ago or it, it could be quite a length of time. So overall, yes, we are in a moment typically where prices over I would say since the second half of last year where they really picked up and they're just staying more or less fairly flat at the moment. And really the story is that certain developers, certain homeowners were expecting that prices would come down in 2022. That that was the big expectation because the challenges that were ongoing throughout 2021 to do with COVID in the Western parts of the world or to do with maritime delivery, transportation, labor, all those things would kind of dissipate and they just haven't fully yet. What we are expecting is that manufacturing capacity will increase in, be it China, be in other parts of the world, uh, in the second half of the year, and that this okay. will allow some relaxation of pricing. And then individual markets, there will be very particular challenges. So in the case of the United States, what's hap- there is a situation at the moment where there are quite difficult challenges in bringing in some modules, particularly from China or even Southeast Asia. And therefore, some of the distributors are residential installers. Their inventory levels may be at very low levels right now. And there is going to be a, a decision made around the August timeframe that everyone is waiting on based on a, an issue brought forward by one local manufacturing company. And until such time as that, you know, we, we won't know how that will be resolved. So it's individual markets, there's nuance, but overall the market in terms of pricing through the end towards the end of the year, or as we go into next year, the expectation is as capacity is increased, prices should come down. And so as that balance comes in or, or, or returns to the market, CG, is this feeling like a, uh, call it a, a, a blip or, or just a, a, a just growing pain from a fast growing industry rather than anything structural that starts to change the profile um, supply or demand for solar? So I think in terms of the ever growing uh, capacities in solar supply chain will just uh, drive some of the smaller players outside of the market. Okay. And then we will just leave with those bigger ones. Then we will just have the second round of balance. So I don't think the the balance will be kind of disrupted, but still it, the market will just run and keep the supply and demand balanced. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, so, so yeah. a level of consolidation where, where the, the bigger yeah. companies, we, we were talking earlier that the, that the beneficiaries of this are going to be those who already have large-scale operations in place? Large-scale operations, I think. And what we are seeing are, you know, these partnerships. Um, So some of them, not all of them are vertically integrated. So they might manufacture one part of the process of a a module, or they may have strategic partnerships with big developers. So we've seen that in the United States, like some of the biggest developers now are, are, are striking large module procurements, like multi gigawatt, multi year, to ensure that they have adequate supply, maybe A, from a certain market, or B, from a certain player of a certain quality or you know tier, let's say, 
And so I think we're going to see a little bit more of both of those things going forward. And as you say, I, I guess a bit like we kind of describe solar as being somewhere in, in its adolescence or somewhere on the middle of the S curve, depending on how where you think. And I think based on this, as Sichi's saying, like we we will see some consolidation, but because of the nuance of the different markets that are growing, there's still opportunity for some of the, the smaller players to kind of find opportunities. Okay. So maybe just as a place to, to wrap this up, I, I want to be sensitive of everybody's times, particularly while we're sitting here in three separate time zones. How about the other side? How uh, just kind of the last question on the on the consumer side: Are the larger commercial customers going to benefit at the expense of the smaller residential customers? And might this change the near term expectations of residential customers who who can't place large orders um, with these large customers? Throw that out yeah, to either of you. Yeah, I'll make a, a quick start and then Sichi maybe can add. I think the market is stratified anyway, basically in terms of there are different types of module technology like higher efficient maybe for residential versus or different size and different kind of formats compared to maybe utility scale. And they are, of course, at a higher price point anyway. But I think the market, what we are indicating is that what's called distributed generation, so rooftop. Mm-hmm. We're expecting more of that to happen. And that's a way both for the manufacturers and big developers, or even in the United States, like some of the solar lease or the big solar installers to basically there's plenty of room and to also de-risk themselves. So the module players want to sell to many different types of different customers, even if they're just rooftop as well. And maybe they don't have the same sense of scale. So overall, there there should be opportunity. Okay. Anything to add to uh, that, CG? Yeah, just to... I think we need to consider the residential plus C&I, the commercial and the industrial, to compare to the utility scale because the distributed generation is less um, price sensitive. So that's in, particularly in current scenario, we have very high price, both for module and maybe for inverters. So that the residential and the C&I sector are actually booming. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well there is a... Uh a lot going on here and a lot to watch so, so i uh i thank you both for uh, joining me this evening this morning this afternoon um and i hope we can come back and pick this up as hopefully as things resolve themselves and things get back to to that normal that, that i think cormac mentioned at the beginning of the call so thank you both i will stop recording now to read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. You can also find our experts on social media by searching for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a topic idea or want to send us feedback? Email our podcast team at energysense at ihsmarket.com. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy solutions, visit ihsmarket.com slash energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.